Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This week's episode, we're joined by Brent Lindley, who's here to discuss Love, Death, and Robots, which is a series of animated shorts on Netflix. Uh, the first part of the episode is us kind of giving an overview, and then we do get into some spoilers and, and about specific episodes within the series, uh, but we do give clear warnings on that. As always, today's show is produced, and the music is written by Misha Zarens. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Today on the show, we have my dear friend, Brett Lindley. Brett, thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so today, Brett and I wanted to get together to talk about this uh, new series of animated shorts that's on Netflix under the name of, of Love Death Robots or Death Love Robots. Do you know? what they're... Love Death and Robots. There we go. Love Death and Robots. Thank you. So... Um, all of the all of the these animated shorts are are under that title love death and robots on netflix but then each episode or each short you know is its own title as well um brett actually had mentioned this to me a couple of weeks ago and i didn't get around to checking it out until this weekend and i actually just watched all there's 18 animated shorts and i watched all of them just back to back just straight through the whole thing um, and it's, it's incredible. So we both were really excited about it and thought it would be fun to, to get together and discuss it. Um, so to kind of, I'll, I'll let you take the lead, Brett. How would you describe, uh, Love, Death and Robots beyond <laughs> a series of animated shorts? I mean, it, it is a series of animated shorts. I think they all have a pretty significant sci-fi slant, hence kind of the robots portion. I think that their title does a really good justice in, setting the tone for all of them. They're all a little bit sci-fi. Um, and there's a lot of emotional expression, um, kind of the love and the death part. And and each episode starts with kind of a little, not a roulette, but a slot machine wheel. And they show three kind of almost emoticon-like images that give you kind of this high-level overview of what the episode is about so you like for love death robots it would be heart x robot face you know and then that the episode would have something to do with those three things um i think that it's it's so much more than an animated short i mean a lot of the shorts are based on short stories from other people the famous writers and things and i i mean i don't want to go too far before we you know, get through the rest of, of kind of our introduction on it. But I, I watch a lot of animated shorts from people like the Blender Foundation and just other 3D animators. You know, Pixar shorts are great. But I, I definitely try and go out to see some some more indie shorts. And these have the kind of the heart of an indie short with the production value of a Pixar short, I guess. Yeah. They, it, they were wonderful. Yeah, I was I was completely blown away, you know, obviously since I watched all of them straight through. Um whenever Brett first introduced it to me, he kind of compared it to the or actually maybe it wasn't you. It might have been someone else who told me about it, but they compared it to the Animatrix. And for those of you who who aren't familiar with the Animatrix, the Animatrix is a a series of animated shorts uh that are all set in the Matrix universe. And if you bought like the Matrix DVD collector set or whatever, you got 
a copy of the Animatrix with it. I don't know. There's maybe 10 of them or something. I don't know exactly how many there are in that, but I think there's nine. Yeah. So the Animatrix is, it is actually, I would say kind of similar to that, probably because of the heavy sci-fi, sci-fi slant, which, um, which obviously the Animatrix has as well. The, the difference though is that the Animatrix is all, even though they're, they're different artists and different, you know, not, a, not one continuous story throughout those animations. It's all set within the Matrix universe. Whereas with this, it's, it doesn't imply at any point that any of these are, are, are connected. Right. Every they're single one of them is, they're all a movie that I want to see. Right. Like I right. want to see a full blown movie on each and every one of the, you know, each world is, is great. And the differing art styles, I, I do agree with the comparison to Animatrix. The, the art styles change. Each one has its own production crew and, and it is a really, I've heard, you know, somebody else mentioned that comparison to me, one of my friends, and and he has said that actually Love, Death, and Robots might make him go watch the Animatrix because he's a Matrix buff, but he never saw the Animatrix because he didn't oh, buy the, the collector set. And I was like, dude, you'll love it. Yeah. So just for the record, and, you know, obviously we're here to talk about <laughs> Love, Death, and Robots today, but if you haven't ever seen the Animatrix and you like the Matrix at all, even if you think the second and third one suck, which I would... Uh, have to disagree with you that's a different episode though um (laughs) you have to at least like the first one everyone likes the first one and the animatrix is amazing so absolutely go see it um or you know not go see it's not in the theater but check it out find a way to see it but the animatrix is is top notch and worthy of your time um so a little bit of you know, Brett had mentioned the production of of Love, Death, and Robots. So I, I was looking at the IMDb for it to kind of understand who is behind it. And the two biggest names that I found were Tim Miller and David Fincher. So Tim Miller is credited on all 18 episodes of Love, Death, and Robots as the creator. Now, on almost all of them, except one, there's a different director and there's other people credited with writing. So I'm not exactly sure what creator means, but somehow he's involved in all of these. His resume, though, is that he worked in visual effects for video games like Hellgate London and Mass Effect 2, both of which are really pretty stunningly look, stunning looking games, even though Hellgate London is kind of, you know, a failed game. Um, he also did the Star Wars Old Republic, which is the Star Wars MMO. And then film wise, he was uh, he did visual stuff for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And he was actually the director of Deadpool, the one with Ryan Reynolds that came out, you know, a few years ago. Um, nice. And then David Fincher is the executive producer on all 18 episodes. He is probably most famous, at least for my generation for being the director of fight club and seven. Um, but he's also more recently directed the American version of girl with dragon tattoo, gone girl, the social network, and then uh, House of Cards, the, the the Netflix series. So definitely two guys that have some pretty strong credit to their resume. Um, and I think it kind of adds up that the show is the level of quality that it is, given that those two guys are, are behind it. Yeah, I, I was actually not aware that they were they were behind that at all. Those are those are some pretty heavy hefty credentials to, to right at animated <laughs> shorts, especially like right. Yeah, it's it, so so these animated shorts, you know, we'd already kind of touched on they have these different art styles. And, and I mean, it, it's hard to explain it without just seeing it. But I mean, you have you have some that are almost photorealistic. Like there was a couple of episodes uh, like Beyond the Aquila Rift where I, I, I actually had to really pay attention 
to to make sure that it was in fact CGI that I was looking at because right. it's, the lighting is so good. Same like, with uh, Sunny's Edge. Yes, yes, was, agreed. Oof. Um, and then but then you have uh, like there's an episode called When the Yogurt Took Over or Alternate <laughs> Histories, and and both of those have these completely silly, very uh, yeah. Silly almost almost like word. an animated Peanuts episode. Yeah, you know, really, really goofy. goofy style. And then you have, um, there's one called, uh, let's see, what which one was it? Oh, The Dump. Um, that is more in line with like a Pixar or yeah, DreamWorks style kind of, of animation. Almost caricaturistic, but yeah. semi-realistic. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, just really, really cool. And then the voice actors, they have some some pretty talented voice actors as well. I saw Nolan North was one of the names in there. He yeah. does all sorts of video games. Um, he's Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series is probably his most famous credential, but he's actually in a ton of different video games. He might be the most famous <laughs> video game voice actor that there is. Um, yeah, so I, I think Brett and I do want to talk about the some some of the different episodes that we were were fascinated by and, and kind of talk about what we looked liked about them. However, um, you know, we're certainly cognizant of spoilers and, and wanting people to, to have the same experience that we did. So before we get into the episodes, there were a couple other things that that I, I, I know I wanted to, to bring up at least. So one thing that I had heard is that the way that Netflix presents the episodes to you, the order in which those episodes um, are presented to you is to some extent randomized per user. Is that, is that something you were familiar yeah, with? Yeah. So it was pretty, pretty early on. Um, you know, once I saw it, I started actually, I think even before I watched it, I, I Googled it because I, I saw it appear on the Netflix queue. I was like, eh, I don't know. What is this? There's so many things coming out in Netflix that can be kind of iffy and I don't, spend as much time you know indulging in television stuff i've got a lot of other avenues of entertainment and media that i'm involved in that take up a lot of time so anytime that there's going to be visual media where a, you know a podcast i can do laundry or dishes but but a film or a movie or any type of visual media where that it requires some kind of engagement be that a video game or a or a video i try to vet it as much as I can because that's an investment of my time that I can't do anything else. So it really has to be something particularly great or at least, you know, funny or interesting or whatever for me to want to get in invested in it. Mm -hmm. And so I Googled it like, okay, what is this? Mm -hmm. It's called love, death and robots. So it gives me nothing. Are these all shorts in the same world? You know, just the kind of, I wanted the gist. And I mean, it was a couple of days after release because I saw it, I think I saw it trending on Twitter or something and people talking about it. So I Googled it and almost immediately, that was one of the first things that I saw before I really even watched much of it. I think I might have watched the like the first episode or something, and still wasn't aware that there were different universes. And I and I googled it to see you know what else I was getting into, and yeah, it just I swarmed with articles of. It, at first, it seemed to be pretty focused on people were thinking that it was based on sexuality. Um, Netflix has commented, but nothing in depth. Um, they've stated that it has nothing to do with gender, ethnicity, or sexual identity. Um, they say they don't have that information in the first place and that it's just kind of random. So they're, they presented four different episode orders, which people keyed on on pretty quick. Most people were like, oh, there's four different chunks of episodes that you can see. And 
you know, people comparing what their first episode was, their take on it and things like that. I mean, I, I feel like it's probably pretty clandestine A-B testing. I mean, there's actually a lot of this that goes on in the video game industry, especially in mobile markets, where you can set up in, in you know, invo- I'm involved with a, a few other development projects, not you know personally, but I'm close to them. And, and I've heard things like, you know, Google Play allows you to put out an A-B test where you change the description of a game. And then you can set that up for like four weeks and you can set a percentage, like 50% of people get description A, 50% get description B, and then you can watch retention rates. Like do they, how many download, how many keep it past, you know, the first five minutes or whatever. So I think that this is pretty bog standard. It's just something that because of the kind of ubiquitous nature of Netflix and Twitter, kind of those two combine pretty closely in the way people consume and share media and people you know want to be first to talk about it and and as they become as that conversation starts it, it came out pretty quick that there was some there's not just a b but there is a b c d testing and and netflix admitted it i don't think there's anything more than a guy with a marketing degree that's trying to say hey what what are the as a first episode what hooks people more is probably most 90% of the data that they're looking at for that. But there was there was a little bit of controversy over it. It wasn't anything... Again, it, it's, it almost tried to be at first with people claiming like, oh, if you're gay or lesbian, then you get this order or whatever. But that seemed to have died down really quick and, and been largely disproven as straight people come out and say, oh, no, I got that episode order too. So maybe a little bit of outrage culture in there trying to flare up. But I think for the most part is just... It's weird, especially with it's the I understand it because it is shorts, but at the same point in time, it makes it difficult for me to say, "Hey, have you watched episode two yet?" And and if I don't know the name, and I assume, and you say, "Yeah, I saw episode two, and we go, "Oh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler," and you're just like, "What the hell are you even talking about?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. You said you watched episode two, and." That's the only frustration that I can see really coming of it, which is is kind of moot, but it's still a thing. Right. Yeah. I um. I don't know. I. I. So my guess was that I. I hadn't read about it as you have, and 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 wasn't aware um, that people had identified four different segments. When I was told that it was randomized, I just assumed that it was literally just there's 18 episodes, so we're going to give you a random order of those, um, which. I know made as much sense as anything else, but, but that what you're talking about sounds a little more focused and and probably makes a little more sense. Um, so what's interesting is Brett and I, (laughs) neither of us actually pay for the Netflix account that we use (laughs) and we both share allegedly profile. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. Sure. Sure, Yeah. You don't know how much that I donate. I, I, I pay my fair share. Okay. All right. (laughs) So, um, either way we share the same profile on Netflix. And so when I heard that, I was like, Oh, well that's too bad because it's already presented, you know, the episode order to Brett, which he had already watched. Um, but then completely unintentionally, whenever I clicked on it, it was cued to an episode in the middle 
but I just thought that it was at the beginning because you had already watched all the oh, episodes. No. So I just assumed. What episode? Well, no, it was actually great. So it actually started me at Zima Blue. Oh, um, yeah. It, so I got stuck on that. It got oh. stuck on Zima Blue. And no matter if I like queued it all the way to the end and did next episode, because for everything for me, and and I'll, I'll let you finish, but that was one of the later episodes for me. Mm-hmm. And it it never showed me the intro. It only showed me the intro once. And then it auto skipped the intro all the way through like 12 of the episodes. And then all of a sudden get, kept getting stuck on Zima blue and I would have to go to the episode order and select an episode. Then it would show me the full intro and it was really frustrating, but yeah, it got huh. stuck on Zima blue for a long time. <laughs> huh, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I was able to just, I clicked Zima blue and watched that and then just went right to the next one and then just ended up watching them all in order, you know, starting with Zima Blue and whatever order we have, and then just going through, and, and you know, so that was the start point. So did you? Um, did, so when you started at the middle of the episode, is that where you thought it started, or did you recognize like, oh, it's in the middle and, and reverse it to the beginning? Oh yeah, no, I, okay. I mean, I can look okay. at the track. So I didn't right, start in the right. middle of the episode. Okay, it just started at the at the Zima Blue episode is what I mean by the okay. middle. Um, just the middle of the of the episode order right. is all that I mean. Um. But yeah, just really, really, the Zima Blue episode, which again, we'll talk about more about episodes here in a bit, but I would say that's probably my favorite one. Um, it, it just super, super fascinating and, and just a really, really neat concept. And then goes to the next episode and it's completely different. So as much as we're talking about, you know, the animation styles differ so wildly between all these different versions that, that we've mentioned before, you've also just got storylines that, that, go anywhere. I mean, you've got storylines about um, <laughs> yogurt taking over the world, which isn't a spoiler because it, the episode is called when yogurt took over the world. Um, and then you've got, but then you've got other storylines like what if Hitler died in different, at different times. And those are kind of whimsical and silly, but then you've got stuff like Sonny's edge. Is, it, is that what it's called? Yeah. Sonny's that was the, yeah. The, the beastie one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sunny's Edge or uh, The Secret War or Beyond the Aquila Rift, which are much darker and much more serious. In yeah, tone. it was it, it really was for me. I could not binge it. Um, I know oh, really you're, you're the second person that said that you binged through it. Uh, one other person took like two days for me. It was kind of two things for one. Like so I started with uh, Sunny's Edge and that episode is so visceral and dark, mm-hmm. especially near the end, that I I stopped and was just like, okay, I need a breather. That 17 minutes was more intense than most like two-hour theatrical presentations. Well, and didn't you say that when you watched that, that was before you knew that it was going to be different stories yeah i didn't know that it was going to be different story i didn't know that uh, that there was going to be a connection and then episode two that i had was three robots which was a much kinder and gentler and funnier (laughs) it was like a palate cleanser yep and i was like okay so this is a roller coaster ride and and sunny's edge was even for i i don't really want to say again i don't want to spoil anything but i want to say it was gory because it kind of wasn't but it was still very visceral. It's pretty. I mean, it depends on what you mean by gore. Right? There's a you get into a technical pretty definition. Pretty violent. Yeah, it, it was it's very extremely violent. violent. So and and there yeah. was it was gut wrenching, regardless of how 
much I would normally be like turned away from the screen and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't do blood and guts and gore very well, you know, but mm-hmm. it, I, I was almost turned off by it because it was just so like, it immediately was like, I don't think I can recommend this to my dad, even though it's amazing because, right. because it's just a little bit beyond the line of stuff that he would be comfortable with. Right. Yeah. See, for me, I watched, um, so I got Zima Blue and then I got The Blind Spot. Yep. And and then I got Probably um, Ice Age. I think so, yeah. yeah. And so for me, by the time I got to Sunny's Edge, I had already had several episodes that were much more Oh light yeah, you had tone. you had the light ones. <laughs> so I knew, I mean like I hadn't seen when the yogurt took over yet, but I knew that it wasn't all dark and violent so like when i saw sunny's edge i didn't anticipate that the next episode would be just like that um although i will say i i think that the majority of the episodes are pretty dark in tone yeah there Um, is definitely if it isn't dark visually like just you know in tone of like gore or anything like that it's dark mm -hmm. emotionally there's a lot of existential crises that occur there's just a lot of violence in them too. I mean, there's, there's definitely some that don't have it, but there's a lot of them where it, 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 that's just it. It's people fighting either each other or robots or whatever. Right. Um, I feel like there was something else that I wanted to bring up, but it's, it's slipping my mind right now. Um, I think we want to transition here in a moment to, to, to talking about the actual individual episodes that we liked. But did you did you have anything else just about the series at large that so, you wanted to talk about at all? I, I think one of the things it's it's definitely an adult series, mm-hmm. like not just the gore, but there's a lot of sex, yeah, and a lot of very graphic, explicit, you know, yeah. very explicit, and it's it's not like it is not a kid. Do not show this to your kids. Like, or if you do, pick the episodes, watch them beforehand, then show them to your kids, and don't let them get up back onto the Netflix queue. Because <laughs> he will traumatize them. Yeah. But I, I did kind of want to award them, and maybe this is just a, a shift in tone. We talked a little bit before the episode of their their willingness to show dick. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like I'm. It's not like I get super excited when I'm seeing dong on the screen, <laughs> but I do want to like from an artistic perspective and from a I I don't know a equality perspective. There's for so long, like boobs have been one of those things that are not okay in public, but provocative on TV. And to see that kind of the flip side coming forth into media as like, it's okay to show the whole human body, no matter what sex you are. It's okay to show a sex scene that is not necessarily pornographic that does drive the story. And not have to hide anything. And especially with animated characters, you don't even have to worry about, you know, the actors' contracts or anything like that. It's it's you can be very explicit with it without having to say, "Oh, we're only going to show boobs." And because that just always felt kind of sexist to me. I, I I don't know. I don't want to go too far off on that subject, but yeah, so I have two actually thoughts about that. So I, I think that it actually comes, um, I mean, it might be, it might just be sexism, but I think it's, to me, it's less about, um, it's less about even like trying to promote 
women as sexual objects, and which, and not that that's not there, but just that I think that the lack of male nudity is less about wanting to just exploit women. I think it's actually also just that, like, there's this, especially in you know our culture and, and maybe in most cultures, I don't know, but whatever. There's this thing where it's like it's not okay for like dudes don't want to see that kind of mentality. Like, so it's it's not even so much that a dude like really wants to see the boobs as much as he might also just be like, oh come on, a dick, I don't want to see that. Right. Which is really weird because it's just a body part and it doesn't make you you know doesn't make you gay if you see that. And to be clear, you know if you are gay, there's no problem with that. I'm not hating on that in any way. But but my point just being like. It's this kind of like macho bro culture thing where it's like, I don't want to see a dick on the screen, dude. And I, I, I can't handle it. It's right. super. No, and and, and I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, like there are times where it's very obvious that a show sets up a nudity scene with the hottest female character and it is fan sure. service. And I think that setting up a nudity scene with the hottest male character, although that's not as much what love death and robots does it's a little bit more even past that it's just like his old man dick doesn't matter you know like (laughs) but to 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 provide that same level of fan service for female audiences and acknowledging that this is not a male-centric show this is not a female-centric show it's an everybody show or it's at least an everybody adult show (laughs) yeah no i would agree with that now the other thing i would say that that is nothing to do with the um really the sentiment that you're (laughs) that you're describing but it's it's always been bizarre to me, and I understand that it's just, it is the way it is in our culture. But it's weird to me that boobs and penis are the comparison, because boobs are not genitalia. So right. vagina penis should be the comparison. So if we feel like there's not enough dick on screen, we also need to be advocating for more vagina on screen. And, and I actually and not. I, no, and I agree with that completely. Go ahead. Just that, but I think it's strange. I, I just always think it's strange how those things are. And and again, I'm not trying to criticize you in any way. It, 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 it's a common sentiment, but it's just always been weird to me. Um, and I guess maybe that's you know the free the nipple thing. Or it's it's almost like the tier of swear words, right? Where like right, like ass, ass is, is not bad, as bad as fuck, right? right? And then like damn, and then shit, and then bitch, and then depending on your preference like you know it goes further into you know racial stigmas and you know right. but i think that it, it almost goes like boobs fake balls like <laughs> transformers with the wrecking balls for the testicles okay. kind of thing like like truck nuts and yep. then real balls and then probably like dick and then vagina i think i would i think i think balls is probably the thing that we need to put at the very bottom of that priority list i don't think anyone's trying to see balls whether or not you're into them if you're into dudes or not who wants to see (laughs) balls is my point like come on um all right well well (laughs) fair enough (laughs) yeah on that note if you want to see cartoon dick you are in luck uh love death and robots has that in spades for you um Real quick, actually, not related to this, but there's a movie, my favorite comedy movie of all time is a movie called Bruno by Sasha Baron Cohen. And in that movie, there is one, maybe two scenes that prominently show his penis. (laughs) And that was actually the most common rebuttal I got whenever I would ask people or tell people they should check the movie out where they would be like, 
uh, yeah, I watched it until his dick's on screen. Like, are you kidding me, dude? And it's like, <laughs> right. I just, it's completely outside my comprehension why that would, would be the showstopper for you. Um, I don't know. Maybe these are baby dick dudes that look down and don't see it. And so they're just, you know, they're not sure what they're dealing that's with. A whole, that's a whole nother episode to get into. <laughs> <laughs> dick Bullwalks culture. is going to hate. Dick yeah, culture. dick culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think at this point we are ready to jump into the spoilers. So instead of just doing that, we're going to tell you right now there are spoilers coming. And we will be back in just a couple of moments. All right, and we're back again. This is actually for spoilers. We're getting ready to do spoilers. So if you have not seen Love, Death, and Robots, you should not be listening to the show anymore unless you don't care about spoilers, uh, at which point, you know, by all means, continue listening. Um, but yeah, we just want to make sure we're not spoiling anything. So again, final spoiler warning. given sufficient warning for spoilers uh, and you've got the opportunity to listen to some of Misha's wonderful music. So double win for everyone involved. Um, at this point, Brett and I want to talk about some of the episodes that were our favorites um, or, or just, just our thoughts on the episodes. We might go through all 18. I don't really know. We don't have some, some format. Um, but yeah, Brett, why don't you start? What's the first episode you wanted to talk about? Dumbledore dies. I, I mean, um, I mean, so I've, I've got, I mean, we warned you guys. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so I, I'm okay either way. I think that, uh, you know, I started with Sunny's Edge. You started with Zima Blue. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm fine. To, I'm fine to go through and kind of rank them. I'm going to have a lot of favorites and a lot of, it, it almost falls into like a favorite and a toss pile. I either loved the crap out of it or I was like, meh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I think that for me, like, I, I think I would say that, and it really, I should have mentioned this in the other segment I, I had meant to, that was the thing I couldn't think of, but it's that like the thing that the show does so well is that all of the stories are, are so brief and it just inserts you into it that even if it's not something you just absolutely love, it, it, you know, at most it's like 15 minutes. Right. And, and I, it's I still actually, at least mildly interesting. That brings up a point that I meant to bring up, which is <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that stuck around for spoilers, bonus content. Hey, there you um, go. Even on the episodes that I didn't necessarily like, I still find them either alluring or beautiful or yes. some, there was something about it. Um, yep. Agreed. So, I mean, I'm fine with taking your episode order um, and starting with Zima Blue. Okay. So, I loved this episode as well. And I think the first thing that I really keyed in on is that 
it, again, drawing a comparison to uh, the Animatrix, is that this episode is not, although in the Animatrix it is actually animated by the same, I think, main guy or directed by, um, it brings back that memory of like Aeon Flux, like the 80s mm-hmm. animated. It definitely has that art style to it. Um, I I loved the. It, I loved this episode, but it didn't, it was not striking. It was, it kind of led its punches a little bit. I could kind of see where it was going. Um, at least as it drew closer to the climax, it kind of gave more and more away um, where he reverts back to his original robot form. Yeah, I I was, I was, I was blown away by the whole thing. I, I thought visually it was very appealing and I love, I love that it's a, it's a whole story just about an artist and it, it's not about war. It's not about, right. you know, it's, it, it's kind of about robots and I guess it's kind of about love and death because, you know, if you say the art is his love and then him deconstructing himself is arguably his death and he is kind of a robot or right. kind of, he is a robot. But yeah, I just thought it was really, really, um, just a really fascinating story through and through. And I thought it was super, I thought it was really cool how they tried to, um, how they tried to emphasize the idea of like, and it's kind of a, like an Eastern philosophy, like Taoism, you know, samurai kind of, of, of thinking, but it's like the idea that you can master any task and that any, any task, regardless of how trivial can be satisfying if you actually put in the time to yeah. do it well. No, that's a, um, that's a good point. Yeah. I think it was also interesting that it took the idea of like artificial intelligence reaching a singularity of like omnipotence. Like he'd kind of been everywhere. He'd done everything. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was kind of a godlike, most famous being in the universe sort of thing. And instead of, your usual route went with this sort of, like you said, this Eastern philosophy way of thinking and, and showing the world that like, nah, I just, all of the, all of the wealth in the universe on an infinite lifespan of, you know, immortality means almost nothing to me. And that, right. You know, I, that was wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's just the idea that like, you know, it's kind of a wherever you go there you are and if you know if you can't find happiness here then you probably can't find happiness there because happiness is something that you find within yourself not through external things right right and not that external things don't influence you in any way or don't contribute to happiness or unhappiness or anything like that but just simply that again you know there 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 is a beautiful simplicity in in a in a simple task and there is a reward system that's intrinsic to that even if it's just sweeping the floor, or in his case, you know, cleaning the side of a pool. Right. A job done well is its own reward. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm just going to go through, I'm just going to, I have the episodes in an order, yeah, so I've I'll just them name too. them and yeah, and we'll just kind of go through them. So I, I loosely have them in my order of favorite, although I really fall into the same camp as you do, where really like most of them I like pretty well. And then there's maybe three or four that again it's not that i didn't like i just didn't find them to be profound i guess right um so the next one i have on my list is when the yogurt took over okay um and so the premise of this episode is that 
these scientists accidentally develop a hyper-intelligent yogurt. <laughs> and through a quick series of events, it ends up controlling Earth <laughs> and the, all of the government and Earth because it's this hyper-intelligent yogurt um, and creates kind of a utopia. There's riots and violence at first, but then 10 years later, after the yogurt's been in power, it's kind of just a utopia for humanity. And then it ends with the yogurt <laughs> launching into space in giant yogurt cups without any people on them. And the people are, are sad that they're not being included in the yogurt <laughs> space plans. Um, I think the episodes laugh out loud, funny. And I think that it's, it's a, just a really charming little, I think it's like a six minute episode, incredibly charming and, and worth, worth watching. So I, I mean, again, I don't, I did not hate any of these episodes, but when the yogurt took over kind of falls in my meh category um, oh, okay. I mean, it's cute. It, and again, it's, it's, I, it was, it was worth watching. I don't think that there is a single episode that I was like, this was not worth my time again, yeah. especially that one is one of the shortest episodes, maybe the shortest at six minutes. I think it is the shortest. Um, it was cute, but I didn't really catch much past the cutesiness of it. Like, yeah, it was kind of cute. It was kind of funny. I, I laughed. But mm. it didn't really, it didn't like trigger anything in me to say like, I didn't have an oh my god moment. I didn't have nothing. There was no shock. There was no emotional trigger that I was tied to. Like even Zima Blue, very zen episode. But I still had that like, even though I knew what was coming, it was still this moment of like, oh my god, that is so beautiful and amazing how they did that. Like this hit me and struck a chord that like, just watching him dismantle it just, it grabbed me. And I mean, when the yogurt took over it, I would liken when the yogurt took over to a Pixar short. It's good. It's pretty, yeah. it's funny. Um, some Pixar shorts, you know, take you on an emotional journey that you cry at the end of. And some of them are just kind of like, Hey, that was cute and funny. I don't know. I was, I, I, I had that sentiment initially about it, but it, and again, it's only six minutes. So there's not that much content to it to begin with, but, um, towards probably the, I don't know, the four minute mark. I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Three fourths of the way but, through the episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Towards the end when the yogurt takes over and the people start writing, it actually takes a really dark turn where people are like, like there's a guy that shoots himself in the head with a pistol right? and there's like naked people protesting. And I don't know, like it, I, I thought, oh, this is a cutesy Pixar-y kind of thing as well until it inserted that darkness. And again, it's only there for a snippet, but it still kind of added just enough of an edge for it that I, um, I don't know, I appreciated it more than like a an Overwatch short, which is well, kind yeah, of like for sure. Pixar it wasn't, shorts, it's, right? None of the episodes are wholesome either. No. <laughs> so that out of the, that out of there. Um, I guess I got kind of a, and of course there's a, a lot of the episodes can draw a little bit of homage to kind of the matrix in some form or the other, or if you want to go, you know, further back into, oh, uh, like Johnny mnemonic and, and mm -hmm. those style that the world is a holograms type thing. I just feel that some of that, like, you know, creating a perfect world was rejected by humanity was... But again, it was so short that they didn't have the time to make that, in my mind, really land. And yeah. maybe it was also the cutesy art style that, like, 
it's one thing if you see like happy tree friends where the cutesy art style is immediately subverted into blood and guts and gore right in this one again it's only six minutes but the first you know two to four minutes of that about four minutes of it is just happy cutesy art style and then i i guess i probably should have been more shocked at a violent moment but it didn't Maybe it wasn't extreme enough to contrast the art style for me to really be like, oh, my God. To me, it kind of it kind of called back to the uh, the Donald Glover. um, This is America video that came out last year. Okay, yeah. Where where it's just like, you know, very early in that video, he pulls a pistol out and shoots the guy in the back of the head sitting in the chair. Right. And it's kind of a just kind of a shocking moment. Um, Either way, though. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, different takes on it. And that's that's fair. Um, I, I think I just, I really also, I just really, really love cute, whimsical stuff. So <laughs> I'm probably a little more of anything that the closer something is to Pikmin, the more <laughs> I like it. So, and that's just a, a, that's a truth of me, whether it's yeah accurate or good or not. Um, so the next episode that I have on our list is Sunny's Edge. Uh, and that's the one that you saw first. Yep. Um, so yeah, what did you, what did you you talked a little bit about it, but what did you take away from it? Oh my God. Yes. This episode is in my top contenders. Now I don't know if it's sort of a similar thing to like nostalgia classes or anything where it was my first episode, but everything about this episode is right up my alley. The it's got one of the more photorealistic art styles. Um, it's, intense it sets up like they don't it's there's so much suspense it's very suspenseful from the very beginning you don't know what the monster is or if you're going to get to see it and then they they give it to you in a way that like a wwe wrestling thing it's got a bit of like i don't know if you saw the movie real steel the rock'em sock'em robots movie basically Mm-hmm. it's actually really good side note it's probably one of the better like father-son bonding movies even though it's kind of terrible um and it's got some good animation and it's rock'em sock'em robots so it, it if you like sunny's edge you may not like it as much but real steel was actually a pretty decent movie um and ah uh, i i loved everything about this episode like the the fight was intense there were there were the like shocks per minute on this episode was really high from the like the the different weapons that came out as like limbs were removed and tails split into tentacles and like there were so many twists and turns that even as i saw like the the very last twist where she's actually not in the human body like even I, I didn't catch it really that much quicker than it was revealed. Like maybe a couple of seconds. Like oh shit, she's in the AI, and then it was like oh she's in the AI, and I was like ah. Oh. I I just feel like shocks per minute value on this one, and the the mixture of like suspense and uh, like that anticipation and reward was just a really good balance, and for me it was really intense. It, even when it wasn't, you know, maybe a third of it is action, but even the parts that weren't action got me in some way. I either was like, 
just vehemently angry at the antagonist corporate male character, like shitty human. Want to? I hope he dies. Like I hope he gets his. To like the the fight, everything, every bit of suspense just grabbed me really tightly. I I loved this one. Yeah, I thought that it was um, one of the better ones as well. Um, it, and just to just to quickly refresh, it, it, this is the episode where there's like the the chick that has the beast avatar thing that she fights another beast controlled beast avatar thing with. Right. Um, but yeah, super cool. Super the, 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 the monster fight, like you said, super, super rewarding. Um, yeah, I, you, you summarized it very, very well. I, it's I, very intense. I've not gotten the, that level of enjoyment watching monsters fry from like the, even the Godzilla remakes didn't do it. No, like the what's the one with the Jaeger robot guys fighting the kaiju thing? Oh, Pacific Rim. Yeah, Pacific Rim didn't do it for me. No. Like this did high tech cyborg monster WWE SmackDown cage fight UFC destruction. That like yes, yeah. thank you. Right. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, I would agree. And and as far as the shocking moments, you're right. I mean, the violence is just so intense, whether it be when the monsters are fighting or like at the end when she gets betrayed and the chick just shoots her fingers all the way up through her chin. Right. And then they proceed to just stomp her head. Oh, in. Yeah, the only I know. Other time, like American History X style, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, actually, have you ever seen the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling? I have not yet. It's on my list. It's excellent. Um I won't spoil anything, but just suffice it to say, there's a, a similar type of scene in that that is the only other time I've seen something quite that graphic, uh, and enough. that's live action. So, right. Um, but anyway, yeah, Sunny's Edge, super cool. So, one thing I did read on the internet um, that I, I I don't know, I'm torn because it's a it's a sensitive topic and one that I personally am very sensitive to on the other hand, I can't tell if it's a little bit of outrage culture. And that is that. So the main character is basically a victim of a horrible sexual assault episode. Right. Um, and, and that is then kind of what fuels her to, to take the actions that she's taking that you see in the episode. And I, I did read that one of the complaints was that there's a lot of the episodes leverage sexual violence or, or use women to create, you know, a sexual violence scenario so that then there's a reason for revenge and and whatever else. And I don't know. I mean, I I, I guess that's kind of a fair criticism as there are. That is a a theme that is in a lot of the episodes. Um, But on the other hand, like, I, I didn't feel like it was done for the shock value of it or anything. I mean, they don't ever, as far as I can think, at least, they don't really show those scenes, no. they, they kind of allude to them in a couple of the episodes, but like in this one, it's just kind of briefly talked about in dialogue and then, and then it goes back to the current events of the episode. Right. Um, I, I think not to, not to get too deep into that, you know, that persistence in media, but I think that the, this does it better than a lot of things, which is like, that's what I think too. I, sexual violence is a thing that happens and right. is a driving factor for a lot of people's best and worst times. Like people that use it to overcome it and, and to not saying that it's a good thing in their life, but they make something of it and use it to fuel their greatness as well as people that are just, that get disrupted by it. And, and mm-hmm. it is the worst thing that, and they, they never get over it. Those are things that happen. 
and acknowledging that I don't think is wrong. And I think it, I think it would have gotten a lot more flack if it was something that the main character never got over, you know, and just expressing that side, which is a very real thing that happens is something that we're not ready to really express in media yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously it's a very, um, and rightfully so a very, you know, sensitive subject and, and a, a subject that, uh, I personally, you know, can't, can't speak to. So I, I definitely don't mean to, um, to speak for people who, who have had those experiences or who, who know more about that than I do, because there are certainly infinite people that do. Right. I guess my point is just that I didn't feel like this show tried to cheapen that or tried to exploit that. No, I don't um, think so either. I think it expressed yeah. it. Yes, that's what I think too. And I think that's that's about the best thing that you can say for it is that it it yeah. presented it in a way that was not like they didn't leverage it for clicks and they didn't you know cheapen it like you said or or lessen it. That it, it was right. it was a real thing, it was a real event they allude to. It has an impact on the character and then they move with the story. Right, right. Um, all right. So yeah, so that would be Sunny's Edge. Definitely one of Brett and I's favorite episodes. Um, so the next one I have on my list is Alternate Histories. And just a quick synopsis, just to, to kind of jog people's memory. I don't mean to, right. to cover the whole episode, but that's just the one where it shows, it, it claims to be the the multiverse. And here's, I think it's five or six different timelines of, of if Hitler died in a di- at a different time. And then it kind of plays those out. Um it's real similar to when the yogurt took over in, in so much as that it's very whimsical. I don't think it really tries to make a deeper point. Um, it's just incredibly silly. The animation is silly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, a, just a fun episode, despite being about what happens if Hitler died <laughs> <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Normally that wouldn't be the premise for something fun, but in this case they actually pull it off. So this episode does two things for me. Um, one is I've, you only ever think about like, if you're going to time travel, we kill baby Hitler, you know, but it's like, Mm -hmm. which is presented, but then it's like, it's literally six different points in the timeline to kill Hitler and how those are six radically different end realities. Right. So it's like, so I've, I've not ever thought about like, what if you kill Hitler as a teenager? What if you kill him as a as a baby? What if you kill him like ten seconds after that? <laughs> right. Completely different universe. I thought was great. The yeah. I guess the the other thing that is maybe probably the the smallest thing that I just really loved was the name of the app. So for one, it's an app like you get it on your phone, and mm-hmm. you Google essentially what happens if hitler dies as a teenager but it's called multiversity and <laughs> that's just a portmanteau that i love like <laughs> nice yeah yeah no it's uh it, it, yeah the, the episode just has a ton of of little of charming little details you know whether it be that or one of the death scenarios is when they shoot the je- the russian shoot jello at him and he's encased in jello <laughs> yeah. and it's just completely nonsensical like i i, I appreciated that um, as well as the more serious ones. I mean, and again, the whole thing is pretty silly. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, anyone that knows me and whatever, it, I, I, I love to laugh. That's, that's my favorite activity in all of life. So things that are, are, are funny to me, I, I probably appreciate 
more than than other things. Um, so yeah, it and and when the yogurt took over, and then we'll get to it a little bit down the list. But the three robots, those kind of have a special place for me, just because I did find myself actually laughing at them. Um, whereas I don't know that I laughed at any of the other episodes at all. <laughs> I, I might. I think I snickered at a couple. I I definitely think alternate histories has the highest laughs per minute for me, mm-hmm. as far as like it. It's the second shortest episode. It's seven minutes, and it mm. was just. I think you're right. It's about five or six different histories plus an intro and an outro. And mm. yeah, just the whole time, if I wasn't roaring with laughter, I was definitely giggling. Like I didn't stop giggling. Right. And yeah, yeah I loved it. I thought it was great. So the the next one I've, that I want to talk about is Ice Age. So this is the only one that's live action right. um, in the whole series. And it's the one with Topher Grace. Mm-hmm. I thought... I thought really, really interesting. Definitely something, a concept or an idea that I never would have thought of. Um, a, the tiny civilization in a fridge and B, the whole like time-lapse nature of it where they watch from prehistoric all the way to, I don't even, singularity. Yeah, they, I don't even singularity. <laughs> and then I think the greatest part is that it, it keeps going. It just restarts. Yeah, it again. restarts. Right. And now you've got, I don't remember what they were like. Octopus, it's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, yeah. Like, yeah. So for for one, this one is probably the one that engaged the wife the most. Um mm. because she's like, wait a minute, what the hell is Topher Grace doing on your animated TV show thing? Like <laughs> which was I, I thought it, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I almost have to counteract your having seen it before there's two points that i can think of one you almost have to have seen um the the first one being the simpsons uh treehouse of horror episode where nope. uh as like her science project she has a tooth lisa has a tooth that turns into a civilization and two the south park episode that makes fun of the simpsons episode with the Simpsons did it and the, the, was it the sea monkeys or the seamen? Mm. And I mean, not to say that, of course, there are many ideas that have been done many different ways. I still love this episode, but I, it, it is kind of a new take on, to me, an old idea. Sure. Oh, I'm sure that it is. Yeah. I, to be clear, I, I'm not familiar with infinite things. So, um, <laughs> So that's that's completely fair that it's not a unique idea to this, but I'm actually not familiar with that Simpsons episode, and I actually only have a vague memory of the South Park episode, and all I really remember is simply that they constantly suggest plot devices, and then someone will be like, Simpsons, Simpsons, Simpsons already did yeah. it. Yeah, and that's really it. That's fair. That's um, fair. But yeah, it, it definitely, definitely really cool, and... I was interested to see what the live action one would be and would they blend it with with animation like a cool world style thing right. or something but they don't it's all uh, I mean obviously the tiny civilization is I'm sure CGI but it doesn't look No like yeah it's um, great it's, it's great CGI I think the things that they do really well is going they cuz kind of the Simpsons episode and and South Park and a lot of places that do this stop at the point where like the tiny civilization gets spaceships and then has tiny UFOs and wage war against the humans or the big people or whatever. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And they just skip right over that. I think the funniest mm-hmm. moment is where they show the time dilation where from the perspective of the people in like the 
like New York 1940s era, they're like, uh-huh. how many years have those people been in the sky? Right. right. <laughs> As they yeah. looking in the fridge. Because <laughs> for them, it's like, yes, yeah, for generations, these faces have been there. <laughs> I thought that was really good. And then, and then yeah. having the balls to go singularity and just like, boom, they wink out of existence. And then they're like, Topher Grace and, 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 um, is it Mary Elizabeth both stand there and are like, did we just watch them like ascend? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And they have this kind of existential moment that is expressed solely through the looks on their faces. And that's acting when, when you express existential dread at watching a civilization transcend reality. And all you're left with is like, I'm still in my kitchen and this is my fridge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I thought, I, I actually thought about that while I was watching it quite a bit about how they, um, about how like the like when the the orbs of light are like going all around them in the room or whatever and it's like there's nothing there obviously you know when they're actually doing that acting like they're just looking around at nothing and obviously that's not unique to this that's anything with cgi so i get it but um yeah i thought it was a very well well done you know again every one of these episodes i i liked at least a little bit uh there wasn't a single one that i was that i thought was bad um so the next one that I have is, is Shapeshifters. So this is the one that is uh, Marines, like American Marines, oh, yeah. that have like werewolves in the unit, and they're fighting against a, a Taliban or Al Qaeda unit that also has that. Right. This is to just get to the meat of it. This is the single coolest werewolf thing I have ever seen in any medium, ever. Full stop. Agreed. I loved it. Um. The ending, the very end of the fight, when he, one werewolf just fits the entire other wolf's mouth or head in its mouth and then just bites down to get like, oh my God, that was awesome. Didn't see that coming at all. I also like uh, how there was like, it, it really is one of those kind of black ops integration things where it's like, there's still this level of bigotry that's expressed where like, mm-hmm. we don't like the werewolf people, but... They do things that you know the military. Who would the military not exploit that? Like, of course, they right, would. right. And and I think that that's it. Made it seem it was probably the most realistic that I could see werewolves being portrayed in modern times. Like, they're not hiding mm-hmm. as some secret society that's always been secret. They got found out. They exist. Maybe the government tries to keep them under wraps, and the only way to do so is be like, well, you got to join the military if we're going to keep you under wraps. And I I could just as easily see vampires in Al-Qaeda or in Russia and have this be a modern telling of the underworld that I would just go for. Like, it was real. It felt real. I've always wanted werewolves to be super cool, and probably the best version of them I've seen is Underworld, which is pretty lacking still. Right. Um, so I, it was super cool to see this. I wish, you know, like you said earlier, all of these are like clips of a movie that I wish I could see. This might be the most true of that for me because I just, I, I feel like we just don't have very cool werewolf content. Like there's this anime on Netflix called like, I think it's Sirius the Jaeger. And it's about like, he's a werewolf, except that when he turns into a werewolf, his eyes just turn blue and he is like more powerful and can run and jump and whatever but 
And to be clear, I haven't finished that series, so maybe it gets cooler, but at least in the first, like, five or six episodes, he doesn't actually turn into a werewolf. He just turns into a blue-eyed person who I guess you're supposed to infer has werewolf-like qualities, but very disappointing. This, though, super cool. Well, and it's all, for me, it's all in the little details. It's in, they they walk around barefoot because they have that extrasensory mm-hmm. perception, you know? It definitely was... It, for me, was almost like a really good X-Men Wolverine movie where yeah. he's not invincible, where right. you're worried that he might die. And I think that... And maybe that with all of these is something that a short can pull off that a movie can't as well, is that you go into a major motion picture movie where, like, at least in most of them, if you see... A big name actor, they live. Um, right. There's a couple of exceptions to this where they subvert that intentionally. I think I just watched a, an episode of like Fact Fiend on YouTube where they talk about is it Deep Blue or something like that? It's a shark <laughs> movie that has Samuel with L. Sam with Sam Jackson in it, but they intentionally hired all other B-list actors and then kill Sam Jackson in the most impossible way. It's a shark movie. Sam Jackson dies indoors. That means all right. bets are off. And right. I think that the shorts, you know, you don't know if the main character is going to survive. They have more suspense. You know they can subvert that because you're not as attached. But I agree. Like, I think this would make one of the better movies of, like, g- give me more Marines as werewolves and, and what right. that life is like. What is boot camp like for them? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what is the secret project that hides? How does this world work? Like, I want to know. So the next one I've got is Good Hunting. So this was actually also one that I found to be, you know, one of my one of my favorites. Um, this is the one where it's, there's like a human man and son, and they're hunting these magical creatures. And then the the son ends up encountering like the baby. I don't even know what you would call it. It's like a fox kind of creature. Yeah. Um, and the son spares that and, and doesn't tell his dad about it because his dad just kills the mom one. And then they grow up and, and go on um, and, and stay in contact, the son and the the, the youth fox creature thing. Anyway, kind of, um, kind of a similar darkness to Sunny's Edge. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely got some, <laughs> some pretty heavy, heavy stuff to it, but also just one of the, the more mind-blowing ones. Now, I don't know that this one needs to be a movie per se, because I actually think it does such an excellent job of telling a pretty complete story in the 15 minutes or, or however long the episode is. Agreed. Um, but 
dude, whenever he, because <laughs> it shows him working on her, on her, her cyborg body or whatever. And I didn't, it doesn't really explain what he's trying to do. And then whenever she eventually like turns into her new form or whatever, that is the robot version of her old magical form. I was completely blown away. I thought it was so dope. I was so impressed. I love the way her robot magical form looks. I love the way that they kind of tied technology and machines and computerization into the idea of magic and that it kind of is its own form of magic. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think can't say enough good. about it. No, agreed. This is definitely in my top three. Um, I think that it does a a few things that really strike me as things that I always want to see, but also don't want to see them done wrong that it does. Right. Is combination machine and magic. You see that so rarely Mm -hmm. done right. And, and like Magitech armor and like Final Fantasy VI and, you know, maybe some, some stuff from Final Fantasy VII in there, those kinds of te- fusion of technology and magic is so rare to see. And this is even harder because it's clockwork. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is that there's a little bit of alternate history in here. It, it shows a like U.S.-British colonization of mainland China instead of bringing Chinese immigrants over to America to improve America. It's like Mm. American and British colonization of China and taking over from that sort of standpoint, which I thought was really interesting way to put it. It, it also, again, you, you'd say it, it does a good job of telling a complete story and it, I don't know. It really sparked that like he, his storyline did not feel lacking, even though he almost, he was one of the two main characters, but he was kind of the secondary one in my mm-hmm. mind. It was really her story. I would agree. But his story wasn't lessened. You see him strike out on his own and have to deal with an adapting world, but then get accustomed to it and then get good at it and then be the best at it, but in secret. And and he's he is as much fighting the colonization of China by making her body as she as is taking revenge on both humans for destroying her her magical world, her forests, and the the beings that wronged her, you know, and the sexual mm-hmm. undertones of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. I mean, the only thing I, I I would have been okay to maybe have like an extra three minutes on the end of just her silver fox form just like massacring right guys. just like, get I that vindication. That. Yeah. Yeah. But um but I was okay with it still. Just yeah, just a really, really cool idea. I mean, that, that's the thing that I, I was showing with another buddy of mine. And the thing with all of these episodes is that it's constantly just the sentiment of like, didn't see it go in there. Like when I turned this on and watched the first three minutes of it, I didn't think it would end where it did. I, in fact, thought I was going to be bored with it. Right. I, I right, did. Yeah. In the first three minutes of the episode, I was like, I don't like this one. This one's dumb. <laughs> and then by the end of it, I was like, this is the best. Yes. Right, give right. me, yeah. give me a nine tailed Fox Iron Man chick made out of steampunk who chugs a gallon of steaming, like on fire, red hot coals. She eats them like, right. yes. Right. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so the next one is the second one that I actually watched. It's called blind spot. And that's the one where the four cyborgs try and rob a truck or a train, or I don't know what, I guess it's a giant okay. transport yeah, yeah, truck. Yeah. Um, 
also thought that one was was really good. And, and, and it, so it's an example of one where I think that it actually, unlike you know, almost opposite of the one we just talked about, it, it doesn't really tell much of a story. It's very much just like a scene that you get, but you really don't know who any of these characters are or why they're together other than just they all four have decided to try and rob this, this transport vehicle. Um, but like the, 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 the dude who's the rookie or whatever that has those glowing blue eyes, he reminded me so much of like, he kind of looked like a mega man or he kind of looked like a character which I think you've actually watched the show a lot, which I didn't. I just have vague memories of it. But there's a show called Reboot. Oh, yeah. It was on back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's a good reference, like, actually. He kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, but you don't know anything about Rookie. Like, you don't know. You don't even know his name. Know. He's Rookie. No, he's just Rookie. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like in that one, when they all jump on the transport and the leader is like giving him a speech and they're like, uh, look out behind you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then his head just gets smashed to pieces yep. by the guard or whatever and i was like oh okay <laughs> oh my. it's on <laughs> right yeah um but yeah thought it was super entertaining um so i i kind of so i don't dislike this episode at all but i think i don't know if for me it just kind of spoke more like as i don't want to see that movie however i want to play that video game I would agree with that. And and yeah. it, it kind of spoke to this Borderlands, Mad Max, like, I think the only thing that bothered me is that at the end, they pulled a Disney like nobody's really dead. And it, See, it worked. It worked. They pulled it off and I wasn't mad at it, but it was kind of like, it's going to, oh, I don't know. I actually kind of appreciated it because I was surprised at how dark it seemed whenever that dude's head just got crushed and then the chick gets killed and then the other guy sacrifices himself and only the rookie is left. And it's like, wow, like this is kind of depressing. And so I actually kind of appreciated that it took that that more positive, you know, turn on it or whatever. Um, my my friend Hammaker said that it reminded him of uh, ghost in the shell. Yeah, there definitely is kind of a ghost in the shell vibe and it it works. It was like I wasn't like disappointed because it made sense in the universe for that mm-hmm. to be that way. However, I would just as so the their call handler, I guess, the other truck, the robot that was kind of in the truck behind right. them to me reminded me of um did you ever watch Farscape? No. Okay, so for my sci-fi geeks out there, hey um there's a kind of an alien character that almost acts in the place of like what you would in a lot of sci-fi shows have be like the starship computer or whatever that kind of like stays behind is not physically fit doesn't usually go on adventures but has all these capabilities of like being able to research and tie into stuff i have a feeling that like the robot that stuck behind in the car and rookie would you know, rookie becomes the new leader. The robot guides him. They go find a new team. I would be just as on board with that story arc as I would with bringing back the originals. Yeah, I guess it just depends. I mean, and obviously, like we said, you know, it provides very little context. I guess it just depends on whether or not what they're stealing actually matters. Because if what they're stealing is just for money, then the, all those characters just died for nothing. Right. Basically, now if what they're stealing is to subvert some large government or whatever, right? 
And then maybe they died for something, and so then then that that's a redeemable like thing. Like, I can but... see it being a good intro to a movie where you think you're going to mm-hmm. stick with these characters. Like, I don't want these characters dying halfway through. You either have to kill them in the beginning and not bring them back and start the movie as this is Rookie's story, or you have to bring them back and go from there. Again, it's a short, right. so... Yeah. But either way, I mean, all of all of these thoughts just from a a 10 minute short that really has very little in the way of substance. Uh, (laughs) um, The next one I've got is the secret war. So this is where the Russian army is fighting against like a demon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they finally make like a last stand and and one guy escapes and then like the bombers come in. Um, This was one where I I didn't really find it to be super profound or fascinating i thought it was really well done and it was like if i wanted to watch a a cool action cartoon then i would totally tune into this um it looks good it sounds good the action is entertaining the story is is good enough but it it didn't really grab me in the same way that you know some of the other episodes we've talked about did i agree and i think this suffers from now granted i give a lot more allowance for this on shorts than i do full motion picture like movies but it Mm -hmm. suffers from i don't know what better way to put it than like bad guy duplication where that you start by fighting one of an alien and then at the end of it there are five hundred thousand of them that are cgi copy and pasted onto the screen and and in a short i understand low budget few animators that's how you ratchet up the stakes but you know and so i give them credit for that there but in a major motion picture it happens a lot where it's like first the hero fought one of them and it was a challenge and now there's 200 of them and it's nothing but they're all the same and i you know seeing having even if it's two or three demon monsters but showing that shows that they're like it makes them more alive like because every human looks different. They're all humans, but they all look different. Every monster, if there's no distinguishing features and they are literally copy pasted models, then it's like this isn't. They aren't real. Right. They just there's some dilution in there. I, I think it was a fun story. It's again nothing we haven't seen before. Just it spun in a new context that I thought was kind of cool, where you didn't really know if there are monsters or demons until halfway through and kind of this last stand sort of deal. But again, I I agree. It didn't really grab me that strongly. Yeah. I think, like I said, you know, I think that there's some like, like, um, you know, Zima blue and good hunting, I think maybe, maybe do the best job of telling kind of a complete story, especially good hunting because it starts when they're children. Um, but then, you know, episodes like Sunny's edge, do a really good job, even though it's not a full comprehensive story, it does a really good job of, of explaining or or providing a, um, I'm trying to think of the word, a meaty enough short story. Whereas something like blind spot that we just talked about or secret war that we're talking about now. And again, it's not that they're, they're poorly done or they're bad. Anyway, I, I will watch them again and was happy to watch them the first time. But, um, they just, they both are, I don't know, I, think, I don't want to say generic. So I, I, that's, if what you're getting at, to me, sounds like depth of world. like where Maybe that is it, yeah. I did not feel like, you know, in Sunny's Edge, I feel like I had a good understanding of the entire universe that that place, that takes place in. And I didn't right. see outside of the same warehouse that they were in. 
Right. Whereas with Something like Secret War, there's some of it as an assumption that like, okay, this is like 1940s, 50s era, you know, maybe 60s Cold War sort of thing. So you're mm-hmm. supposed to just understand what the what is going on in the world, but it felt isolated to a point where it didn't feel like there's any greater tie-in, that there's any more to this story outside of what happened. Yeah, I think, well, I think what it is, part of it is also that like the way that it ultimately is resolved is by the bombers from, I guess, the the Russian government coming in, but there's not really any tie-in to the Russian government prior to that. I mean, the, the obviously the right. soldiers are, are Russian soldiers, but it kind of, it kind of solves the problem with this larger scope thing, but that's really the only time that it even mentions that larger. So I think that that can work in certain circumstances, but I don't think I've seen those circumstances. And unfortunately this didn't play it off in a way that made me feel like it worked. Did you ever see the movie eight legged freaks? I did not terrible B movie about giant spiders. Um, for me, that movie set up such a great ending that it missed which is that it's a B-rate movie with B-rate actors. You don't really care any about anybody that's in it. And they set up this premise like the military is coming and they're going to nuke our town unless we don't stop this, right? And then they miraculously stop it. Instead, what instead of the like 20 minutes of drama and fake suspense that they have at the end facing the queen spider thing and like spraying perfume in its face, which was just horrible, like if they would have had abrams tanks fighting giant tarantulas in a losing battle where the tarantulas are tearing apart the tanks and the military gets called in and they're losing and the last scene is a b2 bomber nuking this entire smallville usa place and every main character and all of their families die in a nuclear fallout explosion i would be so ecstatic with that movie like, like, because I don't care about any of the characters. None of them mean anything to me. I want to see giant right. spiders fight the military and and win, and the military nuke this town off the map and nuke all the spiders. And that movie would have been great. It would have been the best B movie I've ever seen. Right. And I think this movie, this short, takes that, but then doesn't deliver in the same way. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um. Coming on the home stretch of them here, but the next one I've got on the list is Lucky Thirteen. Yes. So, so I I think Brett was actually maybe way more excited by this episode than I was <laughs> based on that response. Um, I thought it was really cool. I thought it I thought it looked really good. I was totally into it the whole time I was watching it. Um, but it same kind of thing actually. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't speak to me in some profound way in the way that like Azima Blue did. Um, I thought it was cool and I, you know, I played the wing commander games growing up. So I love a good, you know, spaceship story like that or whatever combat ship kind of story, but I don't know it, it, yeah, it didn't, um, I guess same kind of thing. It felt like a very, very much like a slice of life as opposed to a more complete, you know, story, which not that that's a problem. It just, I don't know, didn't grab me in the same way. So I almost have to disagree in that it's a, to me anyway, it's a complete story, but it, it doesn't have the same depth of world as like Sunny's Edge or anything. But for me, it does have a complete story in it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, have you seen Memphis Bell? I have not. Okay. So that's like a, I don't know exactly what era it's set in, um, but it's, it's a, modern kind of fantasy movie 
where there's this mm-hmm. Boeing B-17 flying fortress. Oh, it's Second World War. And there's like two motion pictures based off of it. It's kind of based on a real life story and this really iconic bomber and its crew and the story that kind of goes through it. And in one of the movie tellings, there's a little bit more fantastical stuff, but it's it seems almost alive, like it's a lucky ship sort of thing. And for me, Lucky 13 was sci-fi Memphis Bell. And mm. Memphis Bell holds a, a pretty soft spot in my heart growing up as like, I don't remember that movie scene for scene, I do remember enjoying it greatly. And I remember some of the iconic scenes from the, the film where like there's a ball turret that gets shot up. It's kind of graphic for not really a kid's movie, but I, some movies we see as kids, they become kids movies. And, and for me, it was that retelling of, you know, this is I, maybe a, a, a Herbie, the Volkswagen bug sort of thing. Where it's like, it's alive, but it's not. Of course, Herbie is much more magically alive than this. But they play off like, they hint at maybe it has an AI that's kind of grown semi-aware. and Mm -hmm. But at the same point in time, it could just be that kind of Air Force um, skepticism versus kind of paranormal um, term I'm looking for. or like a back, black cat crosses in front of you like that. Oh, superstition. superstition. Yeah. So like superstition versus cynicism and like blurring that line between is it magical, is it AI, or is it just chance that these people yeah. are seeing too deep into something that is coincidence that they're making reality. And like that's it's it's where myths are born from. And the fact that they don't say for certain that the AI woke up and they don't say, oh, like, oh, it became intelligent. It knows. They kind of hint at it with the cameras, but that could just as much be just the cameras. Right. And I don't know. I, I it, it holds a soft spot for me. I really like this one. Yeah, I, I didn't really have any complaint about it at all. I actually watched it again uh, just this evening before we before we jumped on to, to start talking because I, I remembered it. I remembered specifics about it the least. Now, there are some super cool moments in it, like the moment when she flies upside down over the enemy plane and then shoots her flares into <laughs> yes. the enemy cockpit. Like, that's the craziest thing in a plane I've ever the seen. Improvised it, weapons. Yeah, well, so in there's a video game series, Battlefield, that's very popular. And in the Battlefield games, if you go on YouTube, there are tons of highlights of people that jump out of their plane shoot another plane with a rocket launcher and then land back in there before hitting the ground. And then when I saw this, I was like, wow, that's actually something crazier than the battlefield. (laughs) tricks." Like that's, that's impressive. Um, so the next one that I, I have here is beyond the Aquila rift. Um, that one is probably, I would say the darkest, at least to me, it was the darkest of all of them. Um, the idea that like he he can't know what's real and then what the the viewer is led to believe is real is is horrible anyway and you wouldn't want to observe that reality if you if you had the choice um i don't know there's just a lot of confusion in it uh, for for the character in the episode and then for me as the viewer also um I don't know, just to really and and as far as the photorealism of it like I that was another one where I really had to look 
and see like, is this CGI? Like, okay, it is. It definitely is. But man, looks really good. See, like, and so, okay, I want to say, Prefessors, I really do love this episode, probably also in my top three. I personally would, there's two kind of points that I would react differently. One is like super gross, crazy alien thing. Like, bring it on. I'm cool. Like, we're let's go be friends. Like, you don't have to keep me in Matrix land. Like, I want to see what your crazy, like, nebula-sized web of stuff is all about. Like, bring me into this. Like, it. it's so strange because it presents one of those things that I love the fact that she wasn't a humanoid alien, or what you can say, she, yes. quote-unquote. But, like, she right. was like... I really do care for you. I really do love all of the children that are brought my way. Almost expressing this, like, can she not have children? What, this den mother type thing. Like, how? why is she so caring? But then also being, but like, you're not ready to see me. Like, I am so different from you. And, and exposing herself as this crazy alien. But also her understanding is limited by the people that have been sent there and they kind of make note of the fact that like every routing error is the same which means that like humans discover warp gates and some big corporation owns them some apple that doesn't care if one out of a million gets sent to no man's land but they're all sent to the same no man's land and no human knows that that's what's happening but this one alien does and she's this caretaker of lost souls like oh my god that's it for me it was not nearly as dark as it was like sad like it's like she's the caretaker of the lost souls that america that corporations don't give a shit about she's there as their safety net see i actually just didn't believe any of it like i i didn't believe i i uh, and to be clear, there's no real context right. for me to think this other than I just didn't trust that character. But I didn't believe the routing error thing. Like, I remember what you're talking about when she says that, but that's before she's revealed to be the Spider Queen monster thing. And so after I saw the Spider Queen monster thing and, like, how decrepit and uh, and malnourished he actually looks in, in a, what I guess is supposed to be the real world, it was like... It actually seemed to me like she's just exploiting the people and the story that she spins to try and help them accept it is that there's a routing error. I care about you. I'm here to take care of you. But really, she's just feeding because everyone else in his little pod is dead. Like everyone else on the ship he wakes up in when he wakes up in the real world is like completely necrotic and rotting. You know what I mean? So I I think that kind of like if you woke up from the matrix but nobody was there to save you you'd probably die right like if a ship didn't come pick up neo he's not surviving like he gets flushed right and and right. i think but that he also wakes up with only with the help of some right right and i think and own. i think that some of the other people like his co-pilot was there at first she wakes up like twice and, and then eventually like dies he kind of sticks around because he believes what's going on and she doesn't she's like can't you see she's not real and like attacks her and i think she's mm-hmm. in the process of like waking up I, I and and again i'm taking a different context from it just because i haven't listened to the full short story yet i think i sent you the upon yeah, the, um, I yeah to so i haven't listened to it yet so i don't know if there's more context to it but i feel like 
if I were a really powerful intergalactic alien that had the capability and maybe I was a loner and all of a sudden human ships start appearing, the first few, I'm not going to know how to take care of them. I don't know what a human is. I don't know what it eats. I don't know how it survives. It wants to attack me. It's scared. I figure out how to make keep them in their sleepy pods. Like I learn from them by sharing memories with them. Like the first few that you encounter, you're fucking, they're dead. You know, but as you encounter more and more and you pick up more of their memories, you're start able to, being able to piece together this puzzle of humanity. And like, if you did care about them, like if a bunch of stray cats kept showing up on your door and at first you don't know what a cat is and eventually you learn to feed it, take care of it, like it, as more show up, you're going to try to do better each time. And I think that that was part of what the alien was trying to do was trying to learn. Like, I don't know what you are or where you come from. But there's a mistake that's happening that is happening so far away that I can't help you fix it. So the best that I can do is help ease your pain. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, is that really the only, at least my understanding, is the only thing that they're really, the only real problem is that they can't go back home. Right. Because back on Earth, so much time has passed. But, I mean, they could easily jump somewhere else or continue living their lives however they wanted just they can't go back home and they even could go back home it's just that no one that they knew would be around anymore and society would have changed dramatically so i don't know i feel like the the spider monster is like more nefarious than i think your takeaway on it is which to be fair is really really interesting because again this is a i think i think this is like 17 minutes it's one of the longer ones but there's just there's actually just not that much content and yet here we both have come up with these completely different you know, storylines that could come out of it and interpretations. And I think that just speaks to, frankly, to the quality yeah. of it, that it's it's that well done that it can inspire that many thoughts. The only other amazing thing I want to say about this is to the art style. I don't know if you've rewatched it because the alien reveal is so short. Mm-hmm. Um, if you search it on like YouTube or something or find a GIF of it, uh, the alien reveal when she first walks out of the shadows looks humanoid. Yes. Yeah, so, like the parts that are revealed are kind of the shoulders, the breasts, the knees, the thighs, kind of as. But as it moves into the light, it's this trick of the eye and the lighting, and it's actually a dozen legs. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Really. Really. Cool. I choose to I believe. Was, was definitely impressed. Like grandma, alien, kitten lover, who just doesn't mm. know what a kitten, what a human is, and has having a real hard time coming to grips with that and what to do, and you're you're a blood-sucking evil alien god? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for me, it, 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 it maybe just because it looks like a spider, I don't know, but to me, it reminded me of, like, the spider in the Lord of the Rings movies yeah. that, that like, captures people and then wraps them up and then holds them for however long and feasts on them whenever. I want to hug it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, like, yeah. thank you, Ben, Mom. Very opposite. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely would want to be plugged into the Matrix to continue hanging out with the blonde chick. I do not I mean yeah. the spider reality. If I could go back and forth, good. then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> A long time ago, I decided that I'm the villain of the first Matrix movie. The guy oh, yeah, I'm probably out. Cypher as well. Yeah. I'm not a yeah. Neo. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that I could hang out with Neo, but I definitely am like, give me steak and <laughs> Make me famous. Um, I don't have to work for it.
So the next one we've got is Fish Night. This one is really bizarre, frankly. Um, this is the two guys, the traveling uh, salesmen yeah, yeah. that break down in the desert, and they comment on how the desert used to be the ocean, and then night comes, and then they see the spirit fish. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting that when the guy becomes the spirit fish and then gets eaten by the spirit shark, but it didn't really make any sense to me. Like, right. I don't know... It's one of those things where whoever made it, I would be interested to ask them, like, like how? What's the thing? Like how what, are, what, are, what got cut? Well, what got cut and what did you, like, what was in your head when you sat down to write this? And I don't mean that in a critical right. way even. I mean, honestly, that's how I became a bigger Tool fan was the Tool song 46 and 2. One day I was listening to it and I thought, why would someone write the lyrics 46 and 2? Like, what does that mean right. actually? Like, why would you do that? And then that led me down this rabbit hole of exploring tool lyrics and I became a, more of a super fan and, you know, whatever. So again, it's not even a criticism as much as it's just a very bizarre thing. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty and kind of expresses a, a little fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I think mm-hmm, it would make more mm-hmm. sense if they were on drugs, even if the I guy dies, <laughs> even if he literally dies. Like, yes, but you're right. It just, it either doesn't have enough setting the stage of mysticism. Like right. if instead of them talking about sales, if they talked more about like the mysticism of the desert, that mm-hmm. could set that side of it up more. But neither one of them is some, you know, ancient Mexican grandmother who with knowledge of the Aztec world sort of, you know, right. that sets that sort of stage that you would usually see that wary, like be careful, letting them out at night they can do things like so I, yeah it was yeah. probably on the lower end of it, it was for me the only reason that it wasn't the you know towards the very bottom of my list of these episodes is just because it is it is visually very appealing yeah. so i i appreciated yeah. that um next one on the list is suits um, this is the one where the community of farmers use their homemade mechs to defend from an alien invasion. I thought this one was really, really cool. Um, similar kind of where it's to like the, the secret war, uh, which that was the Russian army demon horde one we were talking about where it's, it, it feels like it's kind of just a segment as opposed to a whole larger story, though. I do think it has significantly stronger character development than secret war does. Um, I, I think it also has stronger yeah, world building, if only in the yeah. last like three seconds where they show that it's a space colony. Like I thought right. that these were portals. They're not portals. They're holes in the shield wall. Right, like, right, right. Yeah. It does suffer from quite a bit of sameism where all the aliens are the same. Mm. I, again, credit because it's a short and they're like supposed to be like ants, like starship troopers kind of thing. At least there is a right. second big one but it's barely anything than like drag the corner to make it larger like (laughs) (laughs) just increase the size on this one 600 we're good it's it's the mother one um but outside of that i think the characters were great i laughed a lot more than i thought i would with like hillbillies and mechs like but making it seem like they're farmers and they work with these are their farm machinery these are their tractors yeah it's almost like they're going to get on their tractor yeah and and the chevron's gun of the the like sculpture that's really stuck in the dirt the dirt that he can't get out 
And I mm-hmm. think that especially too, the female characters are really developed and not just yeah. the female mech pilot who's kind of your copy pasted big mama southern like, right 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 the main character's wife though that's exactly right. like her and the the secondary the skinny guy's wife both of those yeah, are the, both the widow the, the widow they're both so much more developed than almost even the main character because the main farmer does not have a change he's not actually the hero because he doesn't go on the hero's journey he does not change right in fact, I think right. the wife changes the wife or the widow are the two that change the most. Yeah. And and I yeah, think no, that I would say that's fair. They're closer to the real heroes of the story in a way that states like the hero is not always the person that is in the middle of the action. They're not always the pilot of the mech. Right, and I thought right. that that was really yeah. cool. I, I, I almost wish they would have leaned on that a little bit harder, but I think they still got their point across. Yeah. I think so. And I think at the end, you know, it's also just a very satisfying action flick. Yeah. So it's, it it's a bunch that. of robots shooting up bugs and they deliver ammo by drone. And what's, what's right. not to love about that? <laughs> so, uh, we're down to the last five. Um, the, the next one I've got is the witness. Um, the witness is the one where the girl looks out her window, sees a guy killing a girl who looks like her, he then sees her having witnessed his murder, so he begins to chase her, ultimately culminating in her killing him in the apartment that she witnessed him murdering him. Right. And she looks up and sees him looking down at her from the apartment she was in. So I guess it's this infinite loop of of killer and you know victim chasing one another and switching roles. I, I don't really know. That's kind of what it implies. Right. Um, I thought that it was visually very interesting like it was one of the more interesting art styles um as far as the story i don't know it was just kind of weird yeah i'm I'm pretty (laughs) same with you i think visually it's probably for me tied with sunny's edge on most visually stunning like the the lipstick moving across her lip is it looks layered it looks thick and without being like it's such the tiniest details and the 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 animation the movement of her running like when she throws off her heels the whole kind of rave slash bdsm party like sex warehouse that whole ordeal Mm -hmm. is so strange but it's so pretty but i agree the story it was like i i i kind of I'm so torn because I want it like story wise. I want to put this at the bottom, like near the bottom because it just does not do, it does not evoke anything for me. That's like maybe an Edgar Allan Poe junior high sort of tale. Yeah. But visually yeah. it's in my top three and I'm torn. Does that put it in the middle? I don't know. I think it does. I don't know. So, uh, you know, the, the next, the next four on the list for me, the stories were all very much I didn't really care about even more than this one. Like this one, I at least thought was, um, I don't know, provocative or something. I don't know. It, it at least was, was like kind of interesting. It kind of like in the same way that like sin city as a movie, even if the movie you don't like, it just is kind of interesting. to look Right. At. No, I think it's great um, to look at. I think if it were done with kind of a straightforward art style, like just like a 2d animation art style, I wouldn't have cared for it at all. I would agree with that. And it's the art style that saves it. 
And I think yeah, that I if they didn't have the murder scene and the whole chase, and if it was just if it was just as weird without being a murder mystery, I would probably love it more. I I actually agree. I actually didn't really care for the chasing. Um, I thought it was, I don't know. It just felt unnecessary. So the next one on the list is three robots. Uh, this is where robots explore a humanless earth and discuss, you know, humanity and its quirks. So I actually found this one to be the one that I laughed at the most, um, which I guess actually kind of discredits my statement earlier that if something is funny, I like it more than other things <laughs> because I did think because I thought that the the pyramid robot was like was like Glados in college yes. or something yeah like, like young Glados, GLaDOS before she's <laughs> before she was evil and you know twisted <laughs> um, but I don't know on the whole it was just kind of meh I think it it gets the only reason it gets a little bit of a rank up from the bottom in my book is that it gets bonus points for an exploding kittens reference. Which Ma- <laughs> I wondered if yeah. You like so that. Matthew yeah. Inman, creator of the Oatmeal and the card game Exploding Kittens, was I followed him before that and and definitely backed it like day one on Kickstarter. So I chuckled at that, but it really for me just fit the place of the palate cleanser from Sunny's Edge, which is I mean that's oh. exactly where it was. It was cute. It was funny. I actually could do without the whole talking cat bit. Like it didn't need a twist. For me, that's kind of what it, I like, mean. Like the yeah. twist killed it. If they would have just made fun of, oh, humans were so weird, and we don't actually understand them, so we're gonna make shit up. Like if they just lean on that, even though it's a tired trope of like aliens don't know what humans do. Like I think it could still work and still be funny. And to me, the talking cat like diminished the overall feel. Like. I think for me, it was actually, I don't even know if it was just the talking cat as much as it was that the talking cats are enemies. Like they're like, it's almost like, like the robots are now being like overtaken. Right. Like by the, the, cat, the cats, the cats overthrew stupid. humanity and now. Right. Which I was even fine with, but it would have been funnier to me if the cats would have just been like, yeah, that's what happened. But then not try and impose themselves right, over the robots. Right. So I don't know. Um, Next one is the dump. Uh, city inspector wants to kick the guy who lives at the city dump out. And that guy has like a garbage monster that eats the city inspector. Yep. Same kind of thing. Like, you know, artistically, like it, it's, it's very unique in its animation style. None of the others look like it. And it's not that it's a bad story, but it's just, I, it was just bizarre. And like, why did someone choose to tell this? I, I, don't I had a lot of fun with this episode. I thought that, there's it still doesn't really tell you like why the monster exists it 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 does give some history from like baby monster to adult monster and how it became his dog because it ate his dog and it becomes what everything that it eats but like it also kind of so i mean i had fun with it i liked it but it also was really difficult not to subvert its own premise. Like, does it also become the city inspector and want to go get a day job with a desk now? Like, <laughs> like I think that it could have, or does it want to kick him right, out of the dump? Does it still want to kick him out of the dump? Like, I think it could have been fun to explore that a little bit because they said it becomes everything it eats. And so it's right. like, I, I, st- I actually still really, and maybe I just have, there's a piece of me that really likes junkyard stories 
Like any story mm. that has some scrappy character in a junkyard making things. Like I almost kind of wanted to live that life as a kid. Like when I grow up, I want to live in a junkyard and I want to weld cars together until I have a transformer. Like, but mm. I also thought that I would have like a you know fully autonomous bumblebee sort of thing, you know, built out of a couple of scrap cars. And right. but for some reason, there's some piece of that that still sticks around. So I like stories that exist where like the main character makes their life out of you know kind of this scrapping for an existence sort of thing. I don't know. So yeah. that's probably if if it would have taken place anywhere else with the same kind of storyline, I probably would have hated it. Yeah. And again, I didn't hate it. You know, I, I would say I also had fun with it. Um, but as far as ranking them on this, you know, out of all the other episodes, it's definitely at the the bottom of the list for me. Um, or not, not the very bottom, the next two, I would say all of these have really only been in kind of a loose order. You know, Zima blue is at the very top. Um, and then the, these next two, are definitely at the bottom for me. And again, worth watching, but just didn't really speak to me. So the the first one, the first one of the last two is the sucker of souls. Um, The one where mercenaries and and a a scientist and his apprentice or whatever find, I guess the original Dracula is what they say, but then it's afraid of cats, which doesn't really make any sense. And then they defeat it with C4. So you think they've beaten Dracula However, then they fall into a layer that just reveals that there's seemingly infinite. You're to your whole copy yep. and paste there's point. Copy and kind paste of copy it five hundred times. Yeah, and they don't have the cats with them, right? So there's anymore. I, yeah, so the whole thing just—I don't know. I, I again, it was kind of like, what is the point of this? Like, it starts out really interesting, but then just kind of is like, and they agree. Died. I think like, it it would have made okay. more sense if they were in ancient Egypt, but they seemed like they were almost in kind of a Mayan sort of, they don't mm-hmm. really tell you, but they kind of hint at like, it may be kind of a like South American sort of temple from yep. the style. So if they were an Egyptian temple and it's afraid of cats and the Egyptians worshiped cats and there was some linkage right. in there, then great. Yeah. Then now we have, some. except that they specifically refer to him as the impaler, which is a European. Right. Thing. So, the whole thing is just yeah, kind it's of very all over like. the place. I think that uh, the art style I thought was decent. It's a very straightforward two yeah. D art style. Um, mm-hmm. I think that yeah, that it would have been a much better story if it if they leaned on this is Dracula more. If they leaned on why its weakness existed, and if they didn't right. end on five hundred thousand of the same thing, like. Yeah. I agree. And again, I think it's worth a watch just for oh, the yeah. action of it alone. Oh, it's still very fun. I through. laughed at it a couple of parts in it yeah. too. Like there's some pretty funny parts in there. So yeah, agreed. Uh, and so then the last one is helping hand. And this is where the girl goes out to do some routine maintenance on the spaceship, ends up getting disconnected, um, takes her glove off and throws it back at the, sh- uh, the opposite away from the ship to try and push herself back towards it. That has to rip her own arm off to to do the same thing again and throw that to push herself back the opposite direction again. I, I I mean, I understand the profoundness of it or whatever, obviously, in in so much as that, like, oh my God, she really had to go through some great lengths of self sacrifice to save herself. On the other hand, isn't this the premise of gravity, except without the arm ripping off? And 
I don't know. Again, I just kind of felt like what was the so. Point? I'm actually surprised. This is. I mean, this is the bottom of your list. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, it, less gravity because. Yeah, I mean, even gravity's premise is we're not even going to go into how wrong gravity is as a movie. However, mm-hmm. this to me evoked a sci-fi version of 127 hours. I don't know. So what that that's is, the movie about, it's based on a true story. I believe the guy that is a mountain climber oh, and he gets trapped oh. under a boulder and he has to like, and cut, his arm is like, yeah, and he has to yeah. cut his own arm off and he's like, drinking okay. his own piss and stuff to try and survive. And so yeah. for me, it evoked that mentality of like, you have your help is a day away and you have 12 minutes of air like right how hard are you gonna try to survive because i might not try that hard like suffocation is supposed to be pretty damn peaceful once you get past the dying part (laughs) 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 but yeah but i don't know that i could put myself in that situation but i think that you know that that it speaks to a lot of people that could and just that question of would you and to yeah. me it's it it was also very realistic in the you have to throw mass to move and to me that was it spoke to a realistic scenario at least in a sense of you know, are you going to get that much momentum off of throwing your glove or your arm? Maybe not. But how much do you need? You may not need much if you were just bumped, you know. And so, yeah, I think, I think honestly, in 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 looking back over the list, I think really that maybe the reason that it, you know, quote unquote, scored so low for me is simply because it is actually the most realistic of them all. It's the most grounded in just. It's a story that technically could happen today, whereas almost all of the others are supernatural, futuristic. Something makes them not actually something that's feasible in in real life. Whereas that one, I mean, as far as I know, someone could have that same thing happen to them today. Um, And that not that that should be a reason to discredit it. It's also one of the last episodes I I watched. So I think it also is because... I'm in this mindset of like, oh my God, this is all so crazy. And then you get this one that's actually a pretty grounded one. And it's like, Man. yeah. So this is like third to the last. So you helping hand fish night and lucky 13 were your last ones that as far as your watching order. Um, I, I feel like m- maybe this was my okay. last one, but I don't remember for sure. Um, yeah. Because what happened was I watched like, pro- I said, I watched them straight through and I, I did. However, I watched like, I don't know, maybe 13 of them. And then my roommate came home. And so then I was like, oh my God, I have to show you this. Uh, So I showed him Zima Blue again. And then showed him... um, I think I showed him the... um, what is it? (laughs) We've said all the names now. (laughs) Oh, Blindspot. The the four cyborgs trying to do the robbery. So I showed him those two which were the first two I watched. And then we jumped into the ones that I hadn't uh, seen. Yet. So see, I would almost wonder, I would, disjointed. I would wonder what his, cause this almost speaks to watching order because Zima blue and blind spot are ranking in your top five. And they're the first two mm-hmm. that you watched. And for me, Sonny's edge and, um, beyond the Aquila rift, are ranking in my top five and they're in the first half a dozen that I saw. Um, 
And so I, I, and I mean, I still really liked Zemo Blue. I thought it was great. I still think it's very high up on my list, but I'm also more impressed with some of these episodes that are lower on your list, but also kind of, I was starting to get, but like Ice Age was cute, but didn't like, it's not in my top five. So for me, I have, Blindspot actually is not in my top five. My top five in the order I have them is Zima Blue, When the Yogurt Took Over, Sunny's Edge, Alternate Histories, Ice Age, and then I have Shapeshifters and Good Hunting, and then Blindspot. And in fairness, Ice Age might actually go after Shapeshifters and Good Hunting. Um, But yeah. But no, I think that's, I think you're right. I think, well, and, and to some other extent, the fact that I did binge watch it and just watch the whole thing all back to back also probably adds to some tediousness by the end of it, you know, or fatigue. Um, so I, I watched so. like about two to three at a time. I probably watched about 30 minutes. Mm. So two long ones or three short ones. Um, right. And so I, I caught them in kind of chunks where I might have more favorites or more willingness to like, yeah, I still found some enjoyment right. there. But at the, at the same point in time, I mean, I didn't get as much out of when the yogurt took over and i think that's just a difference in the our our humor like we we do line up on a lot of humorous things but there's also some things that we go way in different directions on so right yep. but well we have covered our our thoughts on the show at a high level and then we've actually gone through all 18 episodes and, and shared our thoughts on those um anyone who is listening and actually hasn't watched it uh, obviously, we highly, highly recommend it. Uh, anyone that's made it this far into the episode, thank you for staying with us and listening. Um, thank you, Brett, for for agreeing to come and, and talk to me on the show about this. I think this is such an awesome uh, show. That, well, I think our show is great, but I also <laughs> think that Love, Death, and Robots is great. Uh, and I, and I, you know, Brett's the first one that suggested it to me. So thank you for for bringing it to my attention as well, because it's certainly something i'm really really glad that hey and thanks for hosting this platform because i'm i was really excited to be able to talk about this with you and get your thoughts so fresh after you watched it and and to kind of go through and compare notes and see you know what did we agree on what do we disagree on i thought it was great so thanks for thanks for having me absolutely man well thank you everyone again for listening Uh, that's going to do it for today have a good one for today's show. Thank you so much again to Brett Lindley for joining us today to talk about love, death, and robots out there on Netflix. As always, if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to email me at walker at the walkshowpodcast.com. And again, thank you, Misha Zarens, for the music and the production. Thanks again for listening, folks. Have a good one. Peace.